you're listening to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. This is a podcast about movies and the way that they're reviewed. This is another special episode. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of movies. Uh, if you remember from two episodes ago, we covered uh, MCU Phase 1. So if you guess this is going to be MCU Phase 2, or you just uh, read episode descriptions or titles, you're right. I am your co-host, Chris. With me is... I'm your co-host, Jenna. And there was a car outside of Chris's recording that sounded like a crowd just cheering. Woo! Like I mean, no, that was a crowd cheering. They know I, we're recording now, Obviously. so they're just adoring fans. You have a whole crowd of people outside your window just eagerly waiting. They are. Yeah. But yeah, so we're going to talk about phase two. Um, so it goes from Avengers, like from everything post Avengers to 2000. So it covered, it starts from 2013 to 2015. So it's just a two-year uh, phase. Yeah, that's really so, weird. Yeah, so it's three movies a year. Uh, uh, not really, but, you know. Uh, it. So this is a phase that it has highs and lows. Yes, absolutely. It, it's The consistency isn't there as much as phase one. The amount, it, 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 I'm trying to think of how to articulate it, because it's like there was a lot of, after the first Avengers, everyone was like in. It's like yeah. whatever Marvel does, we will watch, like, and we will consume and we will praise because we don't know better yet. But like in terms of creativity and kind of stretching what these movies were capable of and stuff, it was very much a work in progress. I think as the phase goes on, it kind of gets better in terms of yeah. that. This is this is the phase that it's like let's try new things mm -hmm. and see if they pay off. But let's also we're really playing it cross, safe. <laughs> playing it safe and planning. Like yeah. everything worked up till this point, so let's get a little weird, but also let's really crank down and and work towards something. Yeah, and it's just yeah, it's weird to me how all of this stuff kind of played out. It's also funny to me because we were talking before we started recording and we'll get to phase three. That'll be next week's episode. But like phase three feels like such a different thing. A, because it's stretched for so many, so much longer and it's fit so many more movies in. But B, I think there was also the part of that whole big announcement thing of like the, the day when they just kind of unveiled the entire slate. And that kind of helped us kind of know what was, coming to an extent and what to expect and whatever but i don't remember ever having that with phase two phase two was just like oh there's a marvel movie out okay i have no idea what this is but i'm just gonna go for exactly. it exactly yeah because like, they had yeah. at that point the brand recognition was there yeah uh, and and more and more people were aware in terms of general audiences yeah and like uh, you, you knew that they were building to a second Avengers movie. Yeah. You didn't know what was going to happen in the meantime. And then so coming hot off the heels of that first Avengers movie. Not the first Avenger. <laughs> Avengers. The first Avengers movie was 2013's Iron Man 3. Oh, boy. Uh, so it's 80% fresh. Uh 299 reviews. We couldn't get one more reviewer. <laughs> uh, 
overwhelmingly fresh. It only has 61 rotten reviews, 78% audience score, average rating four out of five. Uh, with the help of its charismatic lead, some impressive action sequences, and even a few surprises, Iron Man 3 is a witty, entertaining adventure and a strong addition to the Marvel canon. I don't know about most of those phrases. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm always bitter about this movie to an extent. And part of it is, is that I just am not, I'm, I don't, I, I see the hype around Tony and I understand why it is happening, but I do not get it or relate to it. And so Iron Man 3 just felt like such an extension of that in a way. It's just, it, I don't know. It, I, I, I haven't seen this one in a while. Yeah. But I remember enjoying it. Uh-huh. You know, see, in terms of like Marvel stuff, Iron Man, he's a character I enjoy, but he's not one that uh, I am like, it has to be comic accurate or anything. Yeah. Especially when it came to the Mandarin. Uh... There's plenty of problems there in terms of just whitewashing. Yeah. Uh, apart from that, how they played it as a kind of a ruse with the fake mandarins like that's fine it was an interesting twist uh i shane black directed it yeah i i thought that was an interesting choice because he put his shane blackness in there <laughs> yeah he's definitely like no no offense to favreau but like shane black has a much more distinct kind of style, style that he brings to these movies we still need to watch the nice guys which is like my favorite shane black movie like that's a fucking genuinely great movie it's but, been, it's been a while but i i did enjoy kiss kiss bang bang mm -hmm. yeah it's like he, he definitely has a style and i think his directing style lends itself well to this film and makes it to where i can enjoy it but even then there were so many problems with this movie to me and part of it is is just like i don't know <clears throat> i'm i didn't really I don't know how to describe it. It is it is just kind of diminishing returns almost to an extent. And it, it you you could tell that it was just capitalizing off of Avengers so heavily. And yeah. it, it just feels kind of like a stepping stone, kind of. Cause like, yeah, it, like it, it, especially with Tony Iron Man, he it, it's a character of two steps forward, three steps back in terms of character development. Exactly. Because this movie ends with him destroying all of his armors, but we get to his next few appearances and he, he's back to his old self. Exactly. Like there's no follow through with character developments. Yeah. And I, we go from Rhodey being Iron Patriot to yeah. back to War Machine and things are just kind of left. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, the day after... I, Iron Man 3 is the Incredible Hulk of Phase 2. It is, though. It honestly is. Like, the canon of it does not really hold any weight. Everything, it's kind of forgotten. Like, no one's touched the Mandarin stuff again. The no. Three Rings, Killian, yeah, it's all forgotten. <laughs> yeah, it... Like, I remember the day after we recorded our phase one episode, I found this article. I think it was on CBR or something. I remember I sent it to you so I can put it in the description for this episode. But it was basically this really nice think piece about how 
Tony is in this endless cycle in the MCU where it's exactly what you said. Like he, he spends all these movies going through kind of man pain and questioning if his motive should be any different. And then by the end of each movie, it's almost exactly the same starting point. Yeah. And the cycle just keeps continuing in all of the Iron Man movies and all of the Avengers movies and kind of the, the actions that he has don't hold weight the way that they should. And it just kind of is diminishing returns as the thing goes on. And I think part of it was why fans and critics liked it so much. It was, it wasn't Tony facing another uh, villain in a suit of armor. Yeah. And I like that. Had Guy Pierce. Yeah. Black has a following, and I'd be curious to see if it wasn't coming off the hype uh, and high of Avengers how this would have been received because yeah. it, it is largely I'm not saying it's forgettable, but it's largely forgotten in terms of MCU canon, yeah, because it was just kind of a stepping stone as opposed to just kind of taking things in its own direction, yeah, yeah. I it was just a Robert Downey Jr. vehicle. Yeah, it was just kind of, we knew, like, they knew they had him there, and they knew that Avengers had, like, captured so many people's interests, and so it's like, oh, the best way to kind of capitalize off of that is to make another Iron Man movie. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so... Oh, speaking of forgettable... <laughs> I Yeah, after I said that, I realized what movie was next. Because <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> Uh, so same, no, yeah, same year as, uh, Iron Man 3. Yeah, because Iron Man 3 was like a summer release, and then this was the November clusterfuck. We get to Patty Jenkins, uh, I mean. (laughs) I mean, Michelle McLaren, I mean. (laughs) The Game of Thrones guy, uh, Thor of the Dark Worlds, the, (sighs) I believe it's the lowest rated MCU movie. 66%. 66%. I'm so like scrolling right now. To just barely it. fresh. Not, it's a, yeah. It's 6.2 out of 10, 255 reviews, 87 rotten, 77% liked it, 3.9 out of 5 average rating. It may not be the finest film to come from the Marvels. Okay. So right off the bat, the critic consensus, it's, it's already apologetic for liking it. Yeah. It That's the tone. It may not be the finest film to come from the Marvel Universe, but Thor The Dark World still offers plenty of the humor and high-stakes action that fans have come to expect. But is that, though? Okay, so here's the is thing. That what the, was that the mindset of fans at the time? Five years ago now? Honestly, though, yes. At the time, I remember... It was like... I'm trying to think of how to describe it. You, like, we didn't know that we could get something better and so we just kind of took this we took what we can get we took what we took what we could get from it and we didn't know that things could kind of twist into a different direction in like in terms of the cosmic side of the mcu and we were so into the established mold of everything exactly it was it was how can we make a thor movie that fits into the mold of the first thor movie but still acknowledges the fact that he was in the avengers and plays off of the fact that he's a he's slightly funnier now or slightly more evolved as a character now because he was in the avengers i mean yeah it's really fun to see natalie portman phone it in because she didn't want to be there because patty jenkins uh had to leave 
but hearing, I, but hearing I, about okay, Patty said that, I'm like, they should put Natalie Portman in Wonder Woman too. <laughs> like, just throw her in there somewhere, just to like, because she's not in the Thor franchise anymore. So just like toss her into Wonder Woman two in some way. Yeah, uh, this movie. I remember <laughs> leaving it and enjoying it, but look, it's it's such. Wasted potential. It's so wasted. All of it they, is so... It just completely misses the mark. They get Christopher Eccleston, great actor, to play Malekith, and, who, <laughs> for his limited screen time, has to speak uh, dark elfish. Does, you barely see him. His yeah. face is covered in makeup. He He's has unrecognizable. to... Unrecognizable. It could have been anyone. They could have just picked, like, a, a dude off the street. They could have. It could have been Doug from Catering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're new, Doug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, 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 really, though, it, like, I remember when he was cast, and I was like, oh, shit, this is amazing. He's the perfect kind of actor yes. to kind of fit into the Shakespearean of it all, but still have his quirks from Doctor Who. And he was just so... Wasted. Butchered. And it frustrated me, but then at the same time, I still tried to find the positives in it, because I was because we didn't know anything different. We it's like this know. review. It's apologetic. Like, yeah. I kind of recognize the flaws, but damn, this was fun, right, guys? But it wasn't fun. There's <laughs> too much time. Like... I don't know why they felt the need to give the audience proxy Darcy so much screen time and to give Darcy is the sidekick and they give the sidekick a sidekick. Yeah. Which no, you have this. I, it upsets me now, now at with the Ragnarok that they realized the potential of Thor's little pocket universe and how many great characters there are already. Yeah. And we had, to waste time in dark world for bullshit like Darcy and her sidekick. And I don't know. And, and like the whole stupid scene, as much as I am a fan of Chris O'Dowd, his scene was yeah. pointless. <laughs> I know. It's so stupid. It's just it's such a weird like combination of things that at the time made sense to an extent but now we're just like what the actual fuck like how how did we how did we stomach this and think that this was the best food that we could get kind of it like it was funny that it tried to be this dark gritty thing like this is going to be the dark night of thor well or... and it was also like i think the the problem with the the cosmic side of the mcu until guardians came along it didn't know what it wanted to be it, it was trying to simultaneously be shakespearean and be like darkly cosmic and also be like lord of the rings to an extent like yeah. it was trying to be like it's it so leaned in but that's it you so have it's that. this this movie made by committee yeah and not everyone not knowing what it wanted it to be and partly because patty jenkins and then uh, Michelle McLaren left late into pre-production. Yeah. Uh, so they were like, fuck, we, we got to film this movie, which they should have just pushed the release date back. But since it's a proverbial cog in the MCU machine, they had to keep going. But see, I don't mind to an extent that the release date was when it was because then everything that came out if, if this had come out in 2014 it would have been a fucking bummer because the 2014 movies are really 
where it find like where the MCU kind of finds its creative stride. Yes. I think so. I don't mind that we got these two clunkers of Iron Man 3 and Dark World <laughs> kind of out in a year. Because it, it was, it was just kind of like, let's have these be the bridge that kind of takes us from Avengers to something slightly different and then back to Avengers again. So I'm reading this uh, little snippet review from Wesley Morris of Grantland. Oh boy. He's- uh, enough with the appetite wedding experiments. Just wake me when the Avengers Age of Ultron is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, the the ambitious, uh, this is from Mara Reinstein of US Weekly. The ambitious Game of Thrones S mythology can't mask the fact that this superhero entry is just another piece of the mildly satisfying disposable entertainment. Well, that is what it is. It's part Lord of the Rings and part Game of Thrones. But Never Which I feel because Game other. of Thrones, that was when it was really starting to get big at that point. So it's like, yeah. let's capture some of that and let's get the Game of Thrones director to kind of uh, help us out. Yeah. Like, I remember, I don't know, I remember liking, I have not seen this movie since seeing it in the theater. Like, the first night that I saw it in the theater. <laughs> and I have not given a fuck. But, like, I I remember liking elements of it. I remember liking the sets and certain things i don't know i like there's very small nuggets of this movie that did not suck ass but then so much of it is just boring let's see what else? Uh, thor the dark world is a good model of how superheroes can save the world without forced gravitas and have fun doing it oh my god <laughs> okay That's this funny. is everything you just said was wrong so this is this next one is from david Weigel of Slate. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Crocodile Dundee 2 of superhero films in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We were, that's the thing. we were so starved. We didn't know what we, what, what we could get. And so we were just taking what we could get and trying to spin it as positively as possible. Yeah. I'd like... Like we've said this many times on this podcast that we would like to have reviewers revisit these movies now that we've had newer installments and time between them. It's like, come on, do do a current day review, a retrospective. Well, and like I was just looking like Dark Knight Rises came out in 2012. And so then these were kind of the two big entries that came right after it. And I think that in, compared to Dark Knight Rises, these seemed like Ragnarok level of like, oh, they put in funny jokes and it's, yeah. little, it's not taking itself as seriously as Dark Knight Rises does and whatever. So then I think in that time in history, then everyone also thought that it was like, I don't know. We were just so starved. We didn't know what we could get. And so we were just taking what we could get. Yeah. <sighs> It's so uh, it's, it's apologetic and in, in the weirdest way. It is. Okay, so I think the 2014 movies on this list are out of order. So we have to do the Are they? Yeah, cuz Guardians was summer, mm. Winter Soldier no. was before. Guardians was in August. Yeah, it's, but Winter Soldier was in like April. Yeah. So Cap I is know. I'm looking at like the list thing and it puts Guardians first and then Winter Soldier. Oh, for me it's Cap, so that's weird. So anyway, uh, let's talk about Cap. So it is the second highest rated uh, movie in phase two. It's 
89%, uh, 7.6 out of 10, 273 reviews with 31 rotten, 92% audience score, uh, suspenseful and politically astute. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is a superior entry in the Avengers canon and is uh, is sure to thrill Marvel diehards. I want to. I wonder who the eight percent of fans that did not like this. I'm like, who are you? I I what would very you, much like to know. What were you thinking? What were you expecting? Because <laughs> that granted, this movie defied my expectations in a lot of ways. Because this is my this is by by and large my favorite MCU movie. Like I I hold such a fondness for this movie. I can watch it. It and BVS are the two comic book movies that I can watch consistently and find something new in each time to enjoy. I mean, you you've seen how many snaps I've sent you where yeah. we will just have Winter Soldier. It oh it's on TV. Let's just put it on for yeah. background noise. It's like, just who cares what point the movie's at? You just watch it until it's over because you know whatever you're going to see is something good. Like genuinely good. And so to counter our uh, confirmation bias, I'll just read a few <laughs> rotten reviews. Uh this is from Sujay Kumar of Daily Beast. He says, what can Hollywood do to save the genre? For starters, leave the city crushing to Godzilla and Michael Bay. If it can't fit it in a comic book panel, it probably doesn't belong. What the okay. fuck? <laughs> uh, this, uh, let's see. Jay Horton says, for all of the failings on display, the mighty Marvel machine rolls along. What the fuck? Did they see the same movie? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, Vincent Mancini, film drunk, says a breathless mix of pointless plot twists, fight scenes filmed badly, and teasers for future projects that felt less like watching a movie than having one explained to you. Oh my god. He still gave it a C minus. <laughs> <laughs> See, like I was just thinking about it because that first negative review said like the city crushing whatever like that 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 supposedly doesn't have any stakes. I think that this one is the most effective of the like earth set MCU movies in terms of creating stakes and in terms of having an actual threat that <clears throat> is this insane thing. And because and part of it is is the whole conspiracy of it all it's the fact yes. that like, even as steve is like taking out like the head of the operation you know that there's still like all of these little splinters that are still going to exist yes. and you know that he's not really winning the way that like iron man would if he was just punching a bad guy really hard uh oh shut up richard knight yeah, just more review, but yeah, so like, I don't want to focus on the next. So, so rolling it back a bit before this, when they announced that the second cat movie was going to be Winter Soldier, yeah, I I had my reservations, yeah, because I thought it was way too early to be doing that story. Oh, I thought it's like no, you gotta have at least one more cat movie, one solo to have that real poignant moment of having Bucky return. Uh-huh. And then they announced the Russo brothers were directing. It's like, oh, what the fuck? These TV <laughs> comedy directors are going to be doing Captain America and this big story uh, that I love from Brew Baker and mm -hmm. Epting. It's like, there's no way they can do this. Mm -hmm. And then here I am. It's my favorite MCU movie, hands down. It's just, 
I the way I, the way the Russos handle and balance the the stakes, the drama, the comedy, the action, the, the character moments, the spectacle of it all without being flashy. Yeah. Is superb. It's just this, so good. This, this feels more in I think part of why it feels more of like a DCEU movie than anything. <laughs> it's not an MCU movie. I remember when there was a point in time when they're like the Winter Soldier fandom was the splinter fandom of the MCU. Where yeah. it, it's like, no, we're not MCU fans. We're just Winter yeah. Soldier fans. I, I was kind of one of those people to an extent. I like bounced back and forth between the two because it was like, yeah, I like the other MCU movies, but this one is like my shit. And I would rather talk about this one for like five hours than talk about Iron Man 3 for 10 minutes. <laughs> but it, yeah, I remember I didn't really, I was like still just tip, dipping my toe kind of into the fandom when like the early announcements about this movie came out. Like I didn't know who directed it really going in. I didn't really know what to expect. I had read the Winter Soldier arc, but I didn't, I, I, I kind of had trusted them to adapt it in a way that would fit what was going on and yeah they just it's just so effective and it's so good and, and it, uh. a lot of it is because there's there's real world relevance in the story exactly. that they're telling there's parallels and w what happens in this movie has uh shock waves that are carried out through other movies like yeah. shield yeah. Nick Fury, all of those are, those plot threads continue into the other movies. Exactly. It's not like, it's like, not like Iron Man 3 or, Rag or Dark World, where it was just kind of just there. And like the, the main takeaway from Dark World, I didn't mention this when we were talking about it. Like the big thing that made me go, oh shit, was the two post credit scenes in, in Dark World. Like those sold those made. What were those again? It was the collector, and then it was I think a thing with Thanos. Oh, that's right. But so that at the time was like, oh shit, this is like that was they those were more exciting to me than the actual movie was. But then you get to Winter Soldier, where just everything about it has this significance that you know is going to carry over, and. I, I don't and I don't know how I didn't mention one of those uh, moments and kind of pivotal moments that carried out through being Bucky. Yeah. One of like that reveal is perfect. I remember being in the theater and you could tell who did not know yeah. the Winter Soldier story because people like were in shock and awe ah. of the reveal. My thing is is just I feel like like I totally get that apprehension that you said of like, oh, they needed more time to like properly develop this. But I also think the position that MCU Steve is in of he was in Cap 1, he woke up and was in Avengers kind of just dicking around being an old grandpa. And then we've got like a two year gap between Avengers and Winter Soldier to where you can kind of tell through the subtext of everything that he's still figuring out how to live his life. Yeah. And like that is so but rewarding it, to yeah. me. That, like there that the fact that there's growth from one movie to the other to begin with and like between Avengers and Winter Soldier and then even then Winter Soldier adds so much on top of it. And the way that the Russos handled him being a man at a time, it wasn't like in Avengers it was like 
where he's in the helicarrier doing electrical stuff and Tony's making fun of him. Yeah. It was like, no, he has a book with notes and it's like, I need to see this movie, listen to this album. It, and he little... like dresses like an actual person and that's yes. grandpa and doesn't just speak in 40s talk. Like he, he's actively trying to exist in the world that he's in while understanding that he like, but then at the same time, like him being out of time is then what propels the whole story forward and is what gives him the motivation to fix the problem Whereas all of the people that are like of the time period weren't even necessarily noticing or thinking of how to stop S.H.I.E.L.D. being taken over. And just the how it balances so many characters. It's yeah. an ensemble movie. But like everyone gets their moment. They like do. the fact that you get like it's so crazy to think about how you like you get the Bucky reveal and all of the all of his turmoil and stuff and how it's done so effectively. And you get like you get Nat doing so many things and really kind of having fun and lending herself to the story really well in a way that like the other movies beforehand really hadn't. And, and I get Steve and yeah. Batch the Leaper in a kicking fight. Yes. And you get Sam, like you get, you get so many characters in this movie, but it doesn't feel cramped. Like everyone yeah. lends themselves to the story so effectively. It's just, I love it's, this movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, we could talk about it endlessly, but we have to yeah. continue on to another 2014 movie. This one yeah. just barely edges out Winter Soldier. Yeah. 91%, 7.7 out of 10, 298 reviews, 27 rotten, 92% audience score. Guardians of the Galaxy is just as irreverent as fans of the frequently zany Marvel comic uh, would expect as well as funny, thrilling, full of heart, and packed with visual splendor. Yes. I yeah. agree with all of that. It's yeah. It's almost weird now to think that this movie was a, air quotes, gamble Yeah. at the time. It, it's because, so funny because after this, now it's like no character is off limits, really, to an extent. Because no. you, you can, you, like, this movie and this franchise have proven that, like, in the right set of hands and with the right cast, you can make an audience give a shit about literally any comic book character. And literally, so looking at the cast and the director, none of them at the time were huge, huge names. Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel. But, but even then, but you don't see their faces. Yeah, exactly. They're like, so the, it's not a selling they're point. They're the two most famous people, and they're not really, like, on the poster the way that everyone else is. And yeah, yeah, I remember when Chris Pratt was cast and I was like, oh, I'm so happy for him. This is so weird, but I'm so happy <laughs> for him. Cause it, I just knew him as Andy Dwyer. I didn't like think of him having this kind yeah. of like, leading man sort of capacity. I don't think he did either. No. Um, and, and then you have James Gunn directing who wasn't a household name. No. Um, he was kind of like that B horror movie with trauma and everything. He wrote Scooby Doo. Yeah. Uh, and this kind of elevated everyone. And granted, you have Zoe Saldana, but she's in makeup, so she might not be instantly. She's, she's recognizable. the most, like, I don't know, experienced in terms of sci fi franchises. Under she is like the sci fi just genre queen. She is, though, and it's amazing. But, like, even then, 
she's kind of one of those people, especially at the time when this movie came out, where it's like, oh yeah, her. Like she wasn't necessarily a household name. Yeah. But, like everyone recognized her from Trek or Avatar or something. Pirates. Yeah, exactly. So she like this was just such a weird confluence of things in terms of like who they who they got to cast it, like just all of the pieces that come together. Like I remember looking at the cast for this movie before it came out and I'm like, fucking John C. Riley is in this movie and yes. Glenn Close. Like there's so many people that on paper would not have worked, but they work so well. It's another thing too of having a huge ensemble, but it all works. Everyone knows what part they're going to play. And part of it because you have James Gunn and then because you had Nicole Perlman yeah. wrote the original script treatment and then James Gunn made it james gunn yeah <laughs> yeah it, and and if this movie didn't work they might have not made a sequel because it's so often its own little pocket of the mcu yeah that they could have like all right it didn't work we can move on we'll stick to earth stuff yeah i i see i feel like if this had failed they would have kind of like phased out the cosmic stuff they wouldn't have they might have done a third thor movie but like made it like I don't know, Asgard over Oklahoma or whatever. Like they yeah. would have tried to do some sort of like They would have definitely pivoted to something else. Yeah, some sort of earth set thing instead of like continuing to expand out. But I think this kind of proved like we can go to all these weird planets and meet all these ridiculous characters and do all of this sort of random stuff and it can work. It can be it, really effective. It's just weird and like five years ago, no kid knew who Rocket Raccoon was. He was no just one like knew this, who Groot was. It was. They were these obscure characters from a BC-list team. Yeah. And now every f- kid knows who they are. And they weren't even the originals. It's no. Like, it, it would be like making an Avengers movie off of like the the second to last roster. West Coast. Movie. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's like making a movie out of like a very obscure roster, like a, one particular roster of the Avengers and calling it the Avengers, which is kind of what the main Avengers movies do, but they still yeah. had enough heavy hitters to where it made sense. But and I like, was, yeah. Yeah. I was in terms of like before it was released in like pre-production when they were casting, I was so behind this because yeah. Uh, James Gunn came out and said, it's like, yeah, I'm using inspiration from the Abnett and Lanning run. Uh-huh. And I was like, fuck yes, I'm on board for this. Because uh-huh. uh, that's a great run. And like you were saying, that's like kind of like the second generation of Guardians. Yeah, which was such an effective thing. Like it, it seemed kind of weird at the time, but like as we've seen in Guardians 2, it, it gives you so much built-in history if you want it. Yeah. To where it's not introducing things in like like it's kind of it's exactly what they're doing now with captain marvel it's kind of it's not really retconning anything but it's expanding things out in yeah opposite directions like there was this gap there we're gonna fill it in yeah exactly which is kind of what this feels like yeah. to an extent but and i this, yeah this movie works so well that it was one of those rare cases where there's a lot of stuff that uh, was reworked from yeah. comic canon material yeah, that fans just don't give a shit or mind. Cause like canonically Star-Lord was a space cop and Drax was a human who liked jazz and was turned into <laughs> this alien being to kill Thanos and Rocket Raccoon had a British accent and. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Just it, it, it paves its own way while still being fun and rewarding and yeah. having all of those little nods to the comics 
without kind of like hitting you over the head with it. Yes. And I just, I remember the excitement. I remember like where I was when I watched the first trailer for the first time and just like wanting to watch it like all day, basically. Like I wrote it on Kimmel, didn't it? I don't even remember. I remember watching it on YouTube like the next morning and just like riding the high and like having hooked on a feeling stuck on my head like the whole day because the trailer was so fun and effective and was like, okay, yeah, they're treating this properly. Like they're they're making this into something that I know is going to be a risk, but in a really fun way. I'm just looking over some rotten reviews. Oh boy. Um, another one from Mara. It's like the silly superhero loving kids goofing off in the back of the classroom, looked at the Avengers and X-Men and declared, hey, how hard can it be to save the world? Let's okay. do it too. Is that a bad thing though? You just no. said something that's technically a positive and like a perfect way to describe this franchise. It is. It is. It's, the, it's the kids that are dicking around in the back of the classroom who then now in Infinity War are being called to the front of the class and they're like, oh shit, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> exactly. Like, that's exactly that's the perfect analogy and it it works it's so uh, it's so perfect and it, it also part of it is i also think this movie came at a time where there were so many big like i don't know we were in this weird kind of phase of big sci-fi epics that never really went anywhere like you had like trek but that was very kind of self-contained you had you Disney had Avatar. Avatar. Yeah, you had Avatar, but it was a piece of shit. You had John Carter, which was this epic failure. Like in yeah, because this was, was still Star Wars was still a couple of years away. Yeah, so, so this filled that gap of having that big space opera that yeah. people were looking for. Yeah, with all the fun kind of characters and the talking like crazy animals that don't speak English and like all yeah. like, it had so many Star Wars elements to it that it totally makes sense. Like, like it, it did feel, it filled this very specific hole in a way that I think, Mar I don't know if Marvel was really planning on it, but it just kind of fit all of these perfect things. At Which is why the release was in August. Yeah. But, and then that's why volume two came out in like May. Because uh, it's a fun summer movie. Matthew Lagona from San Diego Reader. Marvel put... It heart, it's heart on its sleeve with a story about the healing power of friendship. <laughs> but that sleeve is stained with blood, spit, and other bodily fluids. <laughs> One out of five. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, <sighs> John Liu. Perhaps it was too much to hope for a smart cartoony and slightly parodic space romp. Instead of this, a more standard issue Marvel superhero offering. Okay. See, I, I, I keep thinking recently about the thing that Gunn said on Twitter about how it's like, oh, the, for him, this whole franchise is about like abused children kind of learning how to love themselves again and find a family again and whatever. And like, you totally can see that in the first movie. It's obviously way more obvious in the second. Yeah. But, like, it, it's, a, it's a thing. That's why I think this movie is so akin to Winter Soldier to me, but in a completely different way, because there's something that's being said and not everyone is yes. going to interpret it, but there is a thing that is very clearly being said. And it fully, fully embrace the genre where Winter yeah. Soldier is a 70s political thriller. Yeah. Guardians is a big, bright... 80s space opera. Yes. Yeah. Whereas, like, okay, name a genre that Iron Man 3 or Dark World are. 
Exactly. I can't. a superhero movie, which in in and of itself is not a genre. Like it's it's like a classification of movies. Yeah. It's, it's so it's, broad. Uh, yeah. It's like it's become a genre to an extent. But then even then those two movies filled so many of the like paint by numbers of what we expected. And then Guardians and Winter Soldier took things in a different way. And as we've seen with phase three, it's like, that is the way to go. Yes. You need kind of a specific genre or lens to put the film and characters through. Otherwise it's paint by numbers. Yeah. Cause like you get to homecoming and it's a teen movie, you get to Ragnarok and it's like an even bigger space opera. You get to Black Panther and it's basically like the Godfather. It, or you come to a movie that's made by committee and, and made by, by a Thanos-looking motherfucker. <laughs> I still think about that meme of Snyder and Thanos as Cap and Th or um, Snyder and Whedon as Cap and Thanos. Uh, it's so uh, perfect. So anyway, we're at Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. Seventy-five percent fresh. 6.7 out of 10, which I don't see how a 6.7 equates to 75, but listen to any episode of ours and you'll hear us rant about that. 83 rotten reviews, 83% audience score. You know what? I'm pretty sure the 6.7, was that like an average rating? I don't know math, so well, I could no, be wrong. I'm thinking in more cases, I'm sure there were more seven or higher reviews than there were negative reviews. I don't know. Like I'm sure that the number the the number of positive reviews probably skewed that average a little bit. Again, again with the goddamn apologetic critique here. <laughs> Exuberant and eye popping, Avengers: Age of Ultron serves as an overstuffed but mostly satisfying sequel, reuniting its predecessors unwieldy cast with a few new additions and a worthy foe. I hate how, like you were saying before, like this is the best we're going to get or the best that we think we will get. So ah. we'll take it and be apologetic uh, towards its flaws. The and... more I think about this movie, the angrier I get. It's such a weird flashpoint to me, especially with, especially after Guardians and after Winter Soldier. It's funny to me how my expectations of this movie and my first impressions of this movie are completely different from the actual movie that it is. I like, think we all, we all had the expectation of this being the Dark Knight of the Avengers movies. <laughs> I remember having, because I remember that first teaser trailer. I was just about to say that. The, with the very the menacing Ultron. And I was like, holy fuck, this guy is scary. I remember the San Diego, I remember watching a shitty cam rip of the San Diego teaser where it was literally just like still images with the like no strings thing yes. playing in the background. And that fucked me up for like a week. I was so, so excited. Oh, so I'm gonna relate that back to, so the trailer set a specific tone that I had in mind because that's what they were pushing the movie as, the yeah. scary, dark, menacing movie with a scary villain. And I'm going to jump back a bit to Iron Man 3. I remember one of the early teasers for that showed Tony Stark being a person dealing with PTSD after Avengers, being like, yeah. I'm just a guy in a world that now has gods and aliens. What am I to do? Mm -hmm. And they didn't go forward with that at all. 
and I was disappointed. And that's the same thing with Ultron. Instead, I got <laughs> fucking around. I got what's his name? The fucking Lizard King. That's an office reference you don't get because you haven't watched that. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but it this was a movie made by committee. We didn't want it to do one thing. The studio wanted to do another. We're going to cram Infinity War stuff in here. And yeah. it's it doesn't work with, with all that stuff crammed in. Yeah. Like Andre yeah. Meadows says uh, of Black Nerd Comedy, there are so many plots in this movie and so many scenes that are just there to set up future movies. It moves too fast. It, uh, Camilla Long says, it really, really feels like the 11th exhausting film in the unstoppable ring cycle of movies based on the Avenger comic uh, book heroes, a vast and incredibly, increasingly dull series of blockbusters planned out terrifyingly as far ahead as 2019. <laughs> One year away. I uh, so so thing. just so I don't have confirmation bias, I will look up some positive reviews. Yes, uh, fans of the franchise will be pleased, but those looking in from the outside of comic book culture may find themselves also looking at their watches. Uh, <laughs> three out of five. Uh, it's sometimes daffy, occasionally baffling, surprisingly touching, and even romantic adventure. With one kinetic thrill after another, it earns a place of high ranking in the Marvel Universe. Again, again, Richard Robert being apologetic. <sighs> I hate this. It's like, I don't know who they're trying to convince that they enjoy the movie themselves. Readers. Themselves. It okay. honestly is. It's trying to convince yourselves because I remember being that person. I remember the first time I saw this movie, I remember being completely like, I don't know. It wasn't exactly what I had expected, but in, it is kind of exactly the thing you were saying about we're so used to trailers misleading us and like conveying a tone that is not the actual movie. And I think to an extent that's gotten better. Like obviously there's still moments where like you and I are still like, how the fuck did they betray us and like keep the like thing about Thor's eye like so perfectly. But see, I think part of the trailer thing now is because you had Whedon yeah. And uh, Shane Black going in with a specific vision yeah. or idea of what the movie was going to be. But along the way in post-production. So trailer, just cut it. In executives the come in, it's like Tinker's like, no, 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 we want this. We want this, put that in. And there was the whole uh, Marvel creative committee. Oh, yeah. And that was the group of like comic people and others kind of pitching in and giving in notes. Yeah. It's just, this movie is so fascinating to me. I I remember almost more so than seeing it from the for the first time, I remember watching it a year later when I was doing like a mini MCU marathon with a bunch of friends before Civil War came out and watching this in a group setting on a TV, it aged so badly. It was just like, it, it very quickly just turned into something completely different from what I remember seeing it the first time. It's so weird that this is the one that kind of has importance in terms of the road to Infinity War. Yeah. Because it sets up so much. That's definitely like, 
And I still, I still get fucked up remembering the Thanos mid credit scene in this movie. Cause it was yeah. just such a perfect, like whether you liked or hated age of Ultron, it was kind of a signifier of like something different is coming. Yeah. I, I remember hell, being like, oh. Hell, I remember back, uh, you mentioned it earlier, the big Marvel uh, announcement panel yeah. that they had, and they showed a clip from this, and it was the, the, my sexuality yeah. of Steve, Steve ripping the log. the log in half, and everyone's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay, way to not so subtly say it's you're setting up civil war. You were they announced 10 minutes later. No, it was Serpent Society. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's one of the, the, the things about Age of Ultron. It's, it should have just been about Ultron. And I, the Age of Ultron lasted, what, a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> a long weekend. Maybe a yeah. weekend. It was a three-day yeah. weekend. You're, you're totally right, though, about what it was trying to telegraph. Because like you get the whole side quest of the Infinity Stones. You get Vision. You get... Like they're, they're you get them tabling course. Hulk. Yeah. Uh, you he get Wanda and Pietro. Uh, uh, you get the forced romance. Yes, the let's turn forced family. Let's turn Black Widow into a damsel in distress for absolutely no reason. <sighs> and it, it part of it is is it's exactly what you said. It's making the movie by committee. It's also the Whedon of it all because like. In my opinion, his directing abilities, I don't know. He's good at making content that pleases a bunch of different people for completely different reasons. Yeah. But he's not good at he's he's not good at nuance. Ma making nuance and at making you feel a very specific thing. He's good at trying he's good at doing something general and wide scoping enough yeah. that you feel whatever you want to feel. Which is why he was hired for the first Avengers. He's this broad stroke, nerds know him, let's get him. And it's why he was brought on for Justice League. Like, yeah. I, I hate to admit it, but the, the committee of DC kind of had, it seemed like they had that similar sort of mindset of like, we need someone to finish this movie who can- That has name recognition oh, that and nerds who, will trust. And who can make a thing that can satisfy people on different levels. Exactly. Yeah, it. I don't know. Ultron. I always wonder, like, what could Ultron have been? Because it's such a weird. You want to know what Ultron could have been? Watch <laughs> Krypton on Sci-Fi. Yep. <laughs> You're like just subtly plug Krypton in there. Um, but really, though, like, I don't know. I remember because when Ultron was teased in the trailers, I was like, he is genuinely terrifying. This is going to be amazing. And then like, said, it's just this quippy yeah. asshole who Joss Whedon relates to more than any other character in the movie that I remember all of that, where it was like in every interview, he'd be like, well, I think Ultron's the hero of the story. And I relate to him because blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <sighs> but <sighs> it's just, it's so funny to me how much this movie let me down, but I didn't realize it let me down until way afterwards. It's, it's funny. My favorite Avengers movie is winter soldier. Yeah. And Civil War. I like Civil War to me still has its problems, but like we'll, yeah. we'll get to that next we will, week. We'll get to that next week. But like, yeah, Winter Soldier is my favorite Avengers movie. Uh so and then that leads no, us Ragnarok is my favorite Avengers movie. 
<laughs> no, that's your favorite Revengers movie. Good point. But still. But yeah, then that brings us to... To Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. Ant oh, I mean... Uh, Ant-Man. This was... This is another one that it, even before they got into pre-production, uh, we're huge fans of Edgar Wright. It's yeah. in all of his movies several times. I've watched Base more than anyone listening, probably. <laughs> uh, it, he was kind of the perfect guy to take this movie on. And going back to the Marvel Studios' very first Mm -hmm. San Diego Comic-Con panel, they announced, hey, we're going to make an Iron Man movie and an Ant-Man movie. <laughs> and, and then Andrew went off to do Cornetto trilogy stuff and Scott Pilgrim. And it's like, yeah, I'm working on Ant-Man. And then it's, this is another case of committee. Where yeah. They forced him to fit his movie into the confines of the established MCU. I always wonder what what Ant-Man would have been if Edgar had gotten to make it when they were ideally planning on making it because they're like one of my one of the qualms that I have with Age of Ultron like what going back to what you said with Guardians of like Guardians changes comic canon but it's totally okay. Age of Ultron is so weird to me because it takes a story and presents it without a lot of the key players that are involved in the story. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to create Ultron, but the person in the comics who creates Ultron isn't going to be introduced until the movie after. Yep. But so, and have nothing to do with it. Yeah, but if, if they had made Iron Man earlier, or if they had made Ant-Man earlier, it would have been very interesting to see, A, what the first Avengers would have been like, and B, what Age of Ultron would have been like if you had been able to kind of tell that story with all of the players that were necessary. Yeah. Uh, but that said, I still enjoy Ant-Man. I like this movie. I uh, I get why people don't, but I enjoy it for the fact that it stays in its own lane. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird case. Like, I get it. Like, I really wish that uh, Evangeline's the character just suit her up. Yeah. Uh, Hank Pym is an ass. It's like, just trust your daughter, goddammit. Let her <laughs> do the heist. Uh, oh, but uh, so... It's 82%, 6.8 out of 10, 53 Rotten Reviews, 86% audience score. Led by a charming performance from Paul Rudd, Ant-Man offers Marvel thrills on a pro pro appropriately smaller scale, albeit not as smoothly as, is, as its uh, most successful predecessors. That's, that's valid. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. agree. I don't know if I would give it 82 or 86. What, what would you give it? I don't know. Like higher or lower? Lower. I mean, it's if it's I, like if it's on TV, I'll watch it. But I'm I don't know if I'd go out of my way to like oh I need to put Ant Man on. I think compared to the other Phase Two movies, this is definitely like okay. Dark World is way down at the bottom. It was like sixty six. Iron Man Three is at eighty. I feel like this being at eighty two is about a good place for it. In terms of like, phase two. In terms of phase two, because like, yeah, Ultron is less too, which is I think valid. But like, it Ant Man is not better than Guardians or Winter Soldier, no. which is totally okay. It is. It's phase two introduced two new things: Guardians and Ant Man, and both of these had no expectations going into it. Yeah, they were wholly new franchises and properties. So because they were entertaining and funny. 
and had recognizable leads. Yeah. It had stuff going for it. Well, and I think this movie also had going for it that it was the single movie that existed between Age of Ultron and Civil War. Yes. Because if you had, because like they were still trying to figure out what to comedically do with their movies. They weren't, like you couldn't put the second Guardians in here yet because it hadn't been made. But like you, there was no, you couldn't put Iron Man 4 in between Age of Ultron yeah. and Civil War. Everyone would have gotten, like it would have been. I think you just time. mean, when you say Iron Man 4, I just think you mean Civil War. I know. I know, but I just mean like there was no other franchise at this point in time, really, that was an established like safe bet for them to kind of play yeah. on the the comedy as opposed to kind of the the epic end of the world like doom and gloom aspects of everything. Yeah. And and this was refreshing because like you're saying, this wasn't like a big like we got to save the world. It's like no, I just got to save my kid. Yeah, and stop this one villain from being an asshole. <laughs> like be a, a forgettable villain. But, but, but he did, okay, he did what he could by being the second person to play that villain. Like yes, I, because Patrick Wilson, uh, what's his, Patrick yeah. Wilson bailed yeah. as Edgar Wright did. Yeah, which I do not blame him. No. But I almost wonder, it's like the Marty McFly thing, where I'm like, what what, what was it like? Like, what footage do you have of Patrick Wilson <laughs> playing this character? And can we see it at some point down the line? But yeah, it... I like this movie for what it is. It's not a perfect movie. Yeah. It's, but it is kind of that thing where you said, I'm not going to actively seek it out, but if it's on, I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. And it's a fun movie to show to other people I've found. Cause like when I said the thing about doing the like mini marathon before civil war, I remember cause I showed everyone like the people in that party, I showed them Ant-Man because a lot of them hadn't seen it. Cause they were like, oh, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. And it just kind of looked dumb. So I passed on it when it was on the theater. And so then we watched it in the marathon and there were so many people who completely had underestimated it and found it to be really fun. And like the moments where like the train, like the Thomas the Tank engine yeah. turns really big, like everyone lost their shit, like laughing. Which then, it's, it's, it's stuff like that, which makes me intrepid yeah. about Ant-Man and Wasp because like, we're doing that same thing, but with a giant Hello Kitty I, Pez I dispenser. I don't mind it. I don't know. I I just will get to that. I don't know. I'm not interested about that movie. I think it's staying in its own lane. And it's exactly what I was just saying about needing something light in between. Because like otherwise, if you went straight from Infinity War to Captain Marvel doing the Kree Skull War, it would be too much. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so uh, let's see. Jessica Gibson from Christianity Today. Oh boy. Says Ant Man has all the right parts, but in Ultron's Awake and at the forefront of a long upcoming lineup of films, it really is time for Marvel to start doing better. <laughs> uh, from Damien Stracker of Impulse Gamer Ant Man symbolizes American accomplishment. It is about people transcending the physical limitations of the human body. And it is also a comedy variation on the political idea that the smallest person can change the world. Rotten right. Review, two out of five. All right. <laughs> okay. This isn't Citizen Kane, dude. Dude, come on. Also, that whole thing of, like, it's time for Marvel to do better. And, like, in all but one of Phase 3, they did. Like, there's yeah. we'll talk about it when we get to Phase 3. But, like, they mostly get better. Yeah, it's... It's amazing. There's just more 
apologetic reviews. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's Ant-Man. <laughs> and like any final thoughts on phase two? It's weird that, because you go from phase one, which had a fairly consistent quality. Mm -hmm. The only major dip was Iron Man 2. And then you get to phase two, which has such disparity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's so weird to me that Dark World and Ant-Man are like in the same phase. I mean, yeah, because you look at these, the phase two movies and the two that will stand the test of time, the ones that will be remembered are Winter Soldier and Guardians. Yeah. Uh, no one's going to, it's like, holy shit, Thor the Dark World was a game changer. <laughs> it was a game changer in realizing how bad these movies could be. The only thing good to come out of Thor Dark World was Ragnarok. Yeah was the fact that they were like, okay, we need to completely do something different. Uh, yes. That, do you have anything about phase two? I I don't know. It's just such a weird thing to me because like I, like I was kind of saying, phase two was kind of the period in which I really grew into Marvel trash. <laughs> and so... I, which I, is, I, we, all, we, we all drink the Kool-Aid then. Yeah, but like this was kind of phase two... Like, yeah, we drank the Kool-Aid and then Guardians and Winter Soldier kind of like genuinely made me excited and like genuinely made me give a shit about this franchise. And it's just kind of, it's funny seeing, like having to put aside the personal significance of each of these movies for me and just talking about them as how good they are as movies. Because like each of these felt like such an event when they came out, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, I think that's it for phase two. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. we're going to have a lot to talk about when we talk about phase three. Phase three is another round of six movies. Yes. With, uh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So in the meantime, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Twitter's uh, at their Chris Vito, um, Instagram and stuff, MySpace. Oh yeah, red face, uh, my book, all those. Oh, are you a grandpa? Because you sound like my you sound like my grandpa. <laughs> Add me to your top five. Oh, uh, yeah. Where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Face page <laughs> at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. Um, you can find our show at Tomato Tomato Pod, and uh, email us if you want, or yes. just us on the Twitters to make yeah. to like you're saying leave a review on iTunes you assholes have not done that yet maybe <laughs> you haven't done that because I just called you an asshole I apologize that would make sense, that would make sense. <laughs> but yeah um, I think that's it for this episode next yeah. week it's so crazy Infinity War comes out in two weeks it does come out in two weeks so next week we will be watching infinity war together but yeah so next week we will be finishing our mcu retrospective and diving into phase three so a lot of it is movies that we've covered individually on this podcast but i think in time stuff has changed and yes. perceptions have changed and the tomato meter has changed enough to make it still a fun discussion agreed yeah so yeah stay tuned for that next week like you said, leave a review, all of that. Um, like this episode on Twitter. That would be cool. Just retweet it. So, like, pay it forward. Like, likes are nice, but retweets are better. Yeah, pay it forward just a little bit. It'll take, like, a millisecond of your time. But, yeah, 
That's it. Until next time, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.